on today's message from Harvest Church of God. The Bible said, be not deceived, for the day of the Lord will come. He said, don't believe and be deceived that it's not going to happen, because the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Our God has one name. He is Jehovah God. He is the God of creation. He is the God that made all things. And the power of God will strike this old earth, and God's people will rise to meet him in the air. I believe I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God. I'm a Bible-believing, sin-defeating, devil-fighting preacher of the gospel of the Lord Jesus, and I shall not be moved. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of 2 Thessalonians. This perhaps is one of the most somber and dramatic messages that I've ever prepared. My motivation is that of a good pastor and a loving Lord and a sovereign God who would not have you to be ignorant concerning things that are going on around you and things that are soon to come to pass. One writer said, expect these things, and then chronologically laid out his order of things. But the number one indication of last day's living is, in the last days some shall depart from the faith. In other words, not a backsliding, but an apostatizing. In other words, they're leaving the things they have always believed, the things that are the Bible says, most commonly believed among us. One of the sure indications that we're in the last days is the multitude of alternatives to God's redemptive provision that you're hearing on airways and reading in, in books. Everybody from L. Ron Hubbard to David Koresh, you hear all of these different uh, theological interpretations. Some even claim to be the Christ and are, uh, what the Bible says are an antichrist that have already appeared. The Bible says the mystery of iniquity doth already abound. There is a spirit of deception that is already at work. And even in the book of John, the Bible said there are many antichrists that have gone forth and that there is a spirit of antichrist. So these two terms, or one term, needs to be broken down into two meanings. One is that there is a pseudo-Christos, is the Greek word. It means another person, uh, a new person, and not the original Christ, but a, a, a new pseudo-Christos, a false Christ, as it was. And he says, though there is one of those, there are many pseudos, but there are one anti-Christos. There is a spirit that is against Christ, and that is... Uh, translated and interpreted by saying anti-Christos or they're anti-Christ. They don't uh, ascribe to the things that are in the Word of God concerning righteousness and right standing with God and Jesus most likely as the redemptive provision. Amen. And yes, there have been many people claiming to be God. There was a man named Father Divine many years ago back in the previous century in Philadelphia that said he was the Christ and he was the Messiah. David Koresh even claimed to be the Messiah. There was another in Chicago named Abai, Father Abai, 
And he said that of all the prophets and all the priests that have ever come, they were all centered in him and him alone, that he was the one spokesman for all of them to be in these end times. The real test of all that is they died. They died. And this Jesus who is the real Christ, the sovereign Lord, is resurrected and he dies no more. But Jesus made this statement. He said, I come in my Father's name and you will not receive me. But he said, but another shall come in his own name and him you will receive. In other words, there will be a, a time where that spirit of Antichristos will manifest itself in a one-world leader, a one-world dictator, totalitarianism at its highest form, and will be the Savior, as it were. I know the way out. I know the way that we, we can solve all these wars that are going on. I know how that we can handle the tragedies that happen in a, such a humanitarian way that we all can agree upon it and there will be peace upon the earth. In fact, the Bible said that when he's introduced, he will come in riding on a white horse. Now, that's uh, not to be interpreted literally. The white horse meaning a symbol of peace, that his anthem will be peace and safety. But the Bible said, when they shall cry peace and safety, then sudden destruction shall come upon them, and they shall not escape. Amen. So what's going to be the trigger? What's going to set off this, this whole thing? The, the whole thing is set off by an event we call the rapture of the church. Now, don't get confused on the rapture of the church and the second coming of Christ. The second coming of Christ is in Revelation 19 and 11, when the Bible said, I saw the heavens open and I saw uh, one sitting upon a white horse and he descended down from heaven and the armies of heaven followed him. And at that time, he will come all the way back to the earth. That's the second coming of Christ when every eye shall behold him. That's the second coming of Christ after the events of the tribulation. The one thing that we're looking for right now is the catching away of the saints. We call it the rapture of the church. It comes from the Latin word rapao, which means to be snatched away suddenly or in the act of being caught away. It's the best word in the English language to tell us what will happen, to describe what will happen when the Lord comes. For you know it very well, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's the rapture of the church. That's not the second coming. That is the rapture of the church, the catching away of the saints. At the second coming, at the rapture, he won't come all the way back to this earth. He'll stop somewhere between here and where he is now, and we shall rise to meet him in the air. The first time you see Jesus will be in the air. Caught away to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. In other words, it's a comfort to us to know that Jesus is coming. 
It's a comfort for us to know that trials and tribulations do not last forever. It's comfort for us to know that there's a lot better world that God has got for every one of us. There's a place where sorrow never comes, and there's a place where death doth not enter. There's a place where there is no sickness and no cancer and no leukemia. There's no diabetes, praise God. God has a wonderful tomorrow for us, but it all is predicated upon his coming and catching away the saints. Now, the two events are talked about differently in passages in the New Testament. And the key to understanding is to uh, ascertain which coming he's talking about and what end times he is talking about. The message today is about preparing and looking around us and seeing the things that are going on that let us know that the Lord is soon coming. In 2 Thessalonians, in the letter to the Thessalonians, written by the Apostle Paul, it's one of the chapters of the Bible that we call the books of the Advent. We shall begin at the first verse. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. Notice those words, our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man, somebody say no man, let no man, what? Deceive you. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, speaking of the Antichrist, the son of perdition. That one world leader is referred to here as the son of perdition perdition. Now, let's get the picture. When we begin talking about discerning the times and knowing the times, the number one indication is deception and false doctrine and false gospel and false teaching and false prophets and false everything. And when you see that abound, like we're seeing it right now, that lets you know the day of Christ is at hand. And he says, I am beseeching you by the coming of the Lord, by our gathering together to him, that you don't be shaken in mind. Number one thing is the battle in your mind. The first thing he addressed is don't be shaken in your mind. Don't become unstable in your beliefs. Don't become moved about by every wind of doctrine that blows. You need to know that the Word of God is true. You need to know that the Word of God is infallible and that it is eternal and that it never fails. It is to be depended upon during times of difficulty. When my heart is overwhelmed, Lord, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Lord, those things that are most stable, those things that don't move about, those things that remain the same throughout the history of God's dealings with us, the truth. And if we are anchored in the truth, and the Bible said, don't let them slip. 
when talking about biblical truth, he said, exercise caution lest at any time you let them slip. If you let them get away from you, they're hard to get back. It's hard to recover something once it is lost. And for the Pentecostal church in this dispensation that we're in, there is a real threat lest we lose our identity of who we are and just have the temptation to blend in. I want to tell you that that spirit is very strong today. That spirit is very, very powerful in, even in religious circles where people are giving heed to seducing spirits, doctrines of devils, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, their past feeling about it. You can let your mind so get shaken that you don't think right. You can let your mind get so shaken and embracing every little whim that is said to you that you move away from those things that most clearly are believed among us. Amen. As the oldest Pentecostal church in the world, the church of God has come to a time when less than half of our membership of our church has a baptism in the Holy Ghost. In other words, we don't practice what we preach. We've come to a time where we have a label out there that says that we're Pentecostal, but in so many ways and in so many venues, we don't look like it and don't act like it. And I believe that God would call us in these last days to be true to our roots and to be true to the belief system that brought the church about. I really believe that with all my heart. And I believe that before we see the revival that we long to see, there has to be a reviving of the Word. There has to be a commitment to the things that God would have us to believe and anchor ourselves and tether ourselves to so that we're inseparable. We will not become untethered from the things that we believe about God. What do you believe about God? We believe in, number one, the errancy, inerrancy of Scripture. We believe in its infallibility. We believe in the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus. We believe in blood atonement. We believe in a physical return. We believe in a bodily resurrection. We believe in a thousand-year millennial reign. We believe in a premillennial second coming of the Lord Jesus. First to rapture away, resurrect dead saints. Second to rapture away, waiting saints to meet him in the air. We believe in a literal hell. We believe in eternal punishment for the wicked, no liberty nor annihilation. Those are things we believe. And I want to tell you, those things are coming under fire from liberalism, from modernism, secularism, that would come against and try to get the church to assume a different identity. And if they can cause us to soften our stand on these things, then they're inching ever closer to 
putting a church out of business in this country. Could I tell you that the devil is very busy today trying to put the church out of business in America? Very busy. And if the church of the Lord Jesus doesn't recognize what's happening, what's going on, and turn from that way and abandon those thoughts and get back to being what God called us to be and ordained us to be, then we can meet the Lord in peace. Listen to what this Bible says. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and apostatizing. And that man of sin, the Antichrist, be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and ex all and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worship. Am I reading the Bible? Who opposeth all that is called God or that is worship, so that he, the Antichrist, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. This personality, this, this figure that will charm the world, this figure that will cause people to lay down their Bibles and believe his rhetoric, this dictator, this one world ruler will so seduce and entice people with his promises and with his prophecies and his false teaching that people will embrace that. And they'll place him upon the throne and they'll put him in the temple and worship him as God. Now, I won't be here when that happens because I believe in a pre-trib rapture. I believe that before the trumpets of the wrath of God begin to blow that I will be safe with the Lord. I believe that when the vials of wrath are poured out upon the earth, I will be safe in my chamber with the door shut about me. And that door is the Lord Jesus. And he said, if any man shall enter in by me, he shall be saved. Key scriptures, Revelation 3 and 10. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep you from that hour of temptation that shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the face of the earth. That's the letter to the Philadelphian church. The Philadelphian church is the open door church, the dispensation of grace church. It means that now, whosoever will, let him come. That means that now, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That means that now, grace is abundant and pardon is available. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The open door is there. Whosoever will, let him come, but it will close. The day of the Lord. The Bible said, be not deceived, for the day of the Lord will come. It will come, though, though it take a long time, though he tarry. He said, don't believe and be deceived that it's not going to happen. 
because the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Yes, it will. The Lord is going to come. You see, when he comes back at the rapture of the church, he'll come like a thief. And what does a thief get when he breaks in your home? Does he go in there to steal paper out of your typewriter? Does he go in there to examine your trash cans and what you're throwing away? No. Why does a thief come to your house? To get your valuables. Whew. To get the best thing you've got. Could I tell you, God's people are the best thing this world has got. And the Lord said, in that day when I make up my jewels, they shall be mine. God considers his people jewels. Amen. He calls his people the apple of his eye. God loves and cares about his people. So when Jesus comes, he's coming to get the most valuable thing this world has got. And the Bible said, the, hallelujah, that the righteous will be caught away. The Bible says that the dead shall hear his voice and they shall awake, shall awake on that great getting up morning when death's prison bars are broken. We shall rise, hallelujah, we shall rise. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. That man of sin, that son of perdition opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God. But in fifth verse, Paul says, Remember ye not that when I was with you, I told you about all this? And now you know what doth withhold him, that he might be revealed in his time. In other words, there's something that is holding back the Antichrist. There's something that's got the whole thing on hold. One thing is preventing the rottenness to take hold of this world. Do you know what it is? It's the salt of the earth that is preserving this thing that's holding it together. That force that is withholding the Antichrist at this time, right now, is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. For as long as we are in the world, we are the light of the world. And as long as you are in the world, we are the salt of the earth. As long as we in the, are in the world, we are withholding the coming of that man of sin and that son of perdition. Did you read it there? You know what withholdeth him that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, that spirit of antichrist. Only he, God, who now lets, will let until something is taken out of the way. Glory to God. Until he be taken out of the way. I want to tell you, we've got to be taken out of the way before the son of perdition could come in and do his dirt. We're withholding him. I like to think we're in the devil's way. I like to think that the devil can't do what he wants to do because we're here. 
I like to think that the power of God that is in the church is greater than the power of Satan. I like to think that the truth of God's Word is greater than the lie of the adversary. I like to think that God's commitment, God's covenant means so much to His people that He'll not suffer us to go through that awfulness. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 9, the Bible said, For God hath not appointed us unto wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, God hath not appointed us unto wrath. Isaiah 26 and 20, Come thou into thy chambers and shut the door about you while the Lord comes out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth. When that punishment and that wrath and that judgment is poured out upon this earth, we are going to be safe in our chamber with the door shut about us. Glory to God. Protected by our great God. Hallelujah. And then, when? When we're taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord, hallelujah, you want to shout? Whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Glory to God. The Lord shall consume him with the spirit of his mouth, and the Lord shall destroy him with the brightness of his coming. Even him, this is the Antichrist, whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness. Notice that word, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness, in them that perish, who receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. Then who is the tribulation period for? It's for those who receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. If they had received the love of the truth, they would have gone in the rapture. But they would not receive the love of the truth. And therefore, the Bible said, in them that perish, who received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. So then who is the tribulation period for? It's for those who reject God, those who say no to the Word of God, those who say no to the gospel, those who say no to the dispensation of grace, those who say no to the love of God that caused him to send his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life that's Tribulation period is for them that say no. No, God. No, Holy Spirit. No, gospel of the Lord. No, Bible. No, no, no. To them that reject and refuse and receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. One page. Nine pages. You're in for it this morning, aren't you? Verse 11, and for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie and that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in their unrighteousness. Ooh. 
For this cause. Somebody say this cause. What's the cause? They received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. They said no and threw it all back in God's face. Preacher, are you trying to scare me? No, I'm not trying to scare you. But it should scare you if you're not where you need to be with God. It should scare you if never, you've never received the love of the truth that you might be saved. It should alarm you and it should disturb you if you don't have a peace about the Lord's coming today and your readiness to meet him today. Boy, that's, that's tough, isn't it? For this cause, the rejection, God shall send them strong delusion that they might believe a lie. What is the greatest thing that the devil does to lead people astray? The Bible said our adversary is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So he uh, goes about this business of devouring us by, number one, deceiving us. In Matthew 24, when the disciples came to the Lord Jesus, they asked him, they said, Lord, when will be the signs of the end? And you talk about end time. When will be those times? And he said, take heed that no man deceive you by any means. The number one indicator of last day's living is deception. Let no man deceive you. Let no man deceive you. In fact, the Bible says, Paul said to the Galatian church, if any man comes down and preaches any other gospel, if an angel comes down from heaven and preaches some other gospel, let them be accursed. Why is there this loyalty to the gospel? Because God has so much invested in it. God invested the future of the world in the gospel. God invested the acceptance of his son Jesus in the gospel and to pull us away. And the devil's tactic is to corrupt the word of God and pollute the word of God and water down the word of God where it doesn't say what it really says. In other words, we just use other words. The Bible said enticing words of man's wisdom and try to change the reality of what God's word really says. Let's read verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. God chose from the very beginning for sanctification, personal purity, personal purity, sanctification, and what else? Love of the truth. Love of the truth. Why would uh, he be telling us that we need to love the truth? Because if we depart from the truth, then we walk out of the light and into the dark. If we depart from the truth, then we believe a lie, and to believe a lie will be to be damned. We must believe the truth. He called you by the, our gospel, Paul said, to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, why is that therefore, therefore? Now that you've received the Lord Jesus Christ and believe the gospel, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by the word of God or by our epistle, our writing to you. Wow. Stand fast. That means don't lose your ground. That means keep your feet firmly planted on the truth of the gospel as it is in Jesus. 
Don't let anybody ever persuade you that there is any other redemptive provision than the Lord Jesus and his shed blood at Calvary's cross. There is no other name under heaven whereby you must be saved. The world would have us to believe today that there are many saviors, that there are many saviors. In fact, the Pope made a statement not long ago that all of the religions of the world are correct. They're all worshiping the same God. Well, I want to tell you that the God I worship is not the God of this world. The Bible said the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them. You won't find God's plan of redemption in the multiple religions, the pagan religions and the eastern religions. You won't find God's will and God's purpose at any other venue than to come to the cross of Calvary and trust in the blood of Jesus Christ to wash away sin in your life. There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. I don't care if you call him Buddha or if you call him Confucius or whatever you call him. Our God has one name. He is Jehovah God. He is the God of creation. He is the God that made all things. He is the sovereign God. And beside him, he's peerless. There is none like him. He is one God. Hallelujah. Hear ye, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God. He's not many gods in many different forms. He is one God. He is the creator God. And beside him there is no other. And he said this, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Therefore, brethren, stand fast. Hold to the tradition. Everybody's trying to get us to leave the tradition. Everybody's wanting you to throw away everything that's over 10 or 15 years old. Throw away every tradition. And the Bible explicitly says, hold on to the traditions. Now, I didn't write that. That's in the Word of God. I'm just the messenger. To hold on to those things that you were taught. Rocky, we're admonished in God's Word to hold on to those things that we were taught. They may be old, but the Bible said this. Seek and ask. For the old paths, wherein there is a good way. You'll find the good way amongst the one thing that has lasted through time and through experience. The one thing that has survived and continues today to be the source of all truth, the word of the living God. And he says, stand fast in that. Don't be moved. Don't, don't. Look at times past and say, well, that was back then. This is now, you know. The Lord said, I'm the Lord and I don't change. Amen. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. I believe that intensity. This church was born in a fire. This church was born in revival. This church was born in praying and fasting and seeking God. This church was born by people that paid the price, that endured the persecution, that went through all of that so that you could sit where you're sitting today and hear what you're hearing today. Some blessed little old grandmothers 
tithed and gave to God. Some blessed people sold hamburgers at the mill and sold chicken dinners and peddled them all over this town so that these bills could be paid and there could be a church in this area that preached the truth. And they were committed to it. And David said, the lions are falling out from under me in pleasant places. Yea, mine is a goodly heritage. Thank God. We, I just don't feel like we should let these people down that have earnestly contended for the faith that have come from way out in obscurity. But now that the church has come to town, it seems like we've got to act different and we've got to conduct ourselves different. Back when I was evangelizing a few years ago, every time I'd pick up Barney to go with me, and I'd get there and I'd say, I don't know where this church is located, Barney. He'd always tell me, say, well, just look for the railroad track. <laughs> I said, what? Just look for the railroad tracks. If it's a church of God, it'll be somewhere near a railroad. But we've come to town now. We're not stuck over in some obscure place. We're out on the Broadway and out in a conspicuous place. Does that mean it's time for us to change and be something else? Does that mean that we're uh, to become more cultured and more reformed? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think we should continue to preach just like we're preaching. I think that we continue to sing like we're singing. I think we could continue to worship and praise and lift up holy hands unto God without wrath and without doubt. I think we should pray out loud and pray spiritual prayers. I think that we ought to pray and seek God. I feel like if you've got a praise in your heart and you want to stand up and say, praise the Lord, thank you, Jesus, you ought to feel free to do that. Don't forsake the traditions, he said which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope. Good hope. Anybody got good hope? Anybody got a blessed hope? Anybody got a sure hope? The Holy Ghost hath given to us strong consolation and good hope through grace. Comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Paul's giving us his advice there and telling us why that we ought to be established. Let's read Matthew 24, 3 and 4. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, verse 3 of chapter 24 in Matthew, as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what will be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. You see, the delusion is realized in those who oppose God and Christ with all deceivableness of unrighteous. This group of people is an indication to us that the times are drawing near. And he said, when you come to that time and you observe these things, lift up your head and 
Rejoice. Well, yeah, if that's true, y'all ought to be shouting all over the house. When you realize these things, lift up your head and rejoice. For your redemption draweth nigh. My Lord, what does that mean? That means the Lord is coming. And my redemption is going to be consummated in the fact that I'll rise to meet him. One of these ordinary days just like this Sunday morning. Hallelujah. The Lord is going to appear somewhere in the eastern sky. And gravitation is going to lose its pull. And gravitation is going to lose its hold. And suddenly I'll, I'll fly away, the Bible said. Like a bird from prison bars has flown. I'll fly away, oh glory. I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. Praise God. One of these great days, the trumpet's going to sound. And the power of God will strike this old earth. And God's people will rise to meet him in the air. Oh, hallelujah. Comfort one another and get established in that. Get established in that. Karen, those people in the first century, when they met one another, they didn't say, hello, how are you? They said, Maranatha. You know what that means? The Lord is coming. More important than to tell you how, how good a day it is, they said, the best, best thing I can tell you is the Lord is coming. Brother, if you're down and out, you need to listen. The Lord is coming. If you've let your foot slip, then you need to hear, the Lord is coming. If you've got to a place that's tested your faith, the most comforting thing you can know is the Lord is coming. When you've wrestled with your health and you don't know why you feel like you feel, best thing somebody can say to you is, the Lord is coming. If you don't have the means to pay your bills and you don't know where you're going to find it, best news I can give you is the Lord is coming. Hallelujah. If you got problems and you don't know the solution, best thing I can tell you is the Lord is coming. Comfort one another with these words. Maranatha, brother. Maranatha, sister. The Lord is coming. Be reminded. Be reminded that the Lord is coming. Wow. Now we've got to dig a little bit deeper. And in order for us to do that, we've got to get out the scope of theological inquiry. And look at that word and see what it really means. What I mean by theological inquiry, we've got to look at the Greek text. Let's see what it is. The word for strong delusion comes from the Greek word energia. It means, should be read like this, for this cause God shall send them energia planes. The English for that word would be working. God shall send them a working, an energia planes. 91 times in the New Testament, you find that word and cognate words that, words that mean that same thing. 91 times you'll find translated in all those places, deception, deceiving, and working of deception. A working energy, and you'll find a word that goes with it, planeo. It means to wander, or to cause to wander, or to lead astray, or then to deceive. Our word planet comes from that word, planos. See, when those ancient astrologers, they didn't have a telescope like we've got, and they didn't have Hubble, and they didn't have a space station. They just looked up in the sky. And they understood one thing. They understood 
energia planes. What does that mean? That means those stars, some of them move, and some of them are fixed. Some of them don't move, and some of them do move. That's strong delusion. Energia planes. It means to wander. It means to lose your anchor. It means to become untethered. It means to lead astray. It means to deceive. Every case, when he calls it a seducing spirit, he calls it an energia planes, a wandering, a venturing out from. See, what the devil's trying to get you to do is move. He don't like the fact that you won't move. He don't like the fact that that you don't let folks pull you astray. He don't like the fact that the devil can dangle a little enticement and move you. He don't, he don't like it that you're fixed. Your heart is fixed on God. You've hid his word in your heart lest you sin against God. You've anchored your soul in the haven of rest. You got your feet planted in the truth of God's Word. The devil hates the fact that you won't move. He loved to move you. When Paul was going to Jerusalem, come on, Olivia. When Paul was going to Jerusalem, a prophet named Agabus took his clothing and he took it and he said, The man who owns this piece of clothing will be bound and put in prison. When he gets to Jerusalem, and Paul walked over to Agabus and he said, Agabus, I'm sure the Holy Ghost is telling you to tell me that. I don't doubt the authenticity of the message. I don't doubt the authenticity of the prophecy. I, I, I know that's true, but I need to answer that. I need to tell you that I am willing not only to be bound, I'm willing also to die that the Word of God might go forth and be preached. Woo. When the leaders from Ephesus came over to him in Acts 17, the Bible said, and when they were coming to him, he said unto them all, you know that the first day that I came into Asia, how I've been with you in all manner and all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of heart, and mind of many trials and many temptations which befell me by the lying and weight of the Jews. How I've kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but I've taught you both publicly from house to house. And now I go bound in the Spirit. And now I go bound in the Spirit, not moving. I'm bound. I'm tied to the cross. I'm tied to the resurrection. I'm bound with this chain, he said that binds me to the Lord Jesus. I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city telling me that bonds and afflictions abide me there. You ready? But none of those things move me. Lock me in jail. You're not going to move me. Beat my back to a bloody pump, you're not going to move me. Put me in stocks and bonds and put me in the dungeon. 
you're not going to move me. At midnight, I'll sing praises to God. At midnight, I'll offer up a worship to God, and God will send the power and shake that jail and loose those chains. I'll come forth because God takes care of me, and I won't be moved. God, give us some people in these last days that would say, none of those things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that you shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men and I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and unto all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. And of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. But watch and remember that by the space of three years and six months I cease not to warn you night and day with tears. And the end of that chapter said, And having thus spoken, they fell on Paul's neck and hugged him and kissed him, sorrowing most for the words which he spoke, that they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him to the ship. I want to tell you, there's a place you can reach in God where none of those things move you. Let the storm clouds rise. Let the winds howl. Let the devil launch his best shot at you. Praise God. You can stand tall and say, I know in whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed to him against that day. Satan, I put you on notice today. I put you on, on aware and I alert you to the fact there are folks right here that's going to bombard. That's going to believe God. That's going to pray prayers. They're going to believe God. They're going to be tethered to his word. There are people right here that you won't move them. You may try to move them like you moved Job, but they won't move. They won't move. They won't be the devil's crowd. They won't, they won't leave the truth of God's Word. They'll stay right here. And something else you need to know, Prince, power of the air, you need to know this. I'm going to preach until I die that Jesus Christ is Lord, that His blood saves, that His grace is abundant, that His power to redeem will touch a man and forgive him and save him and make him a new creature in Christ Jesus. I'm going to preach the Bible till there's no strength left in me. I'm going to believe God with all of my mind, my soul, and my strength as long as I have breath in this body of mine. The last day I'm upon this earth will find me preaching God's Word and doing God's will and comforting people and alarming them that Jesus is coming soon. I will not be moved. I will not be shaken. I will not be deterred, but I know in whom I have believed, and I've committed to Him against that day, and I'm going to see Jesus when the trumpet sounds. I'll rise to meet Him. Hallelujah. Whether I go by way of the grave or whether I go by rapture of the church, it matters not to me. For I know that my eternity is secure in Jesus. I know that my sins are under the blood. I know that his royal blood now flows in my veins. I believe I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God. I'm a Bible-believing, sin-defeating, devil 
fighting preacher of the gospel of the Lord Jesus, and I shall not be moved. Hallelujah. 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 Remain standing. Somebody says, Brother Jerry, do you believe the Antichrist is alive? I don't worry about that. I'm not concerned about that. You think this is the last pope that will ever be the pope? I don't, don't know and don't care. I believe Jesus is coming not because the name of a pope. I believe Jesus is coming. That's not determined by any belief system of, of any of these dispensationalists. Uh, no, I believe one thing. That's the Bible, the Word of God. And upon that solid rock I stand, and all other ground is sinking sand. Stretch your hand this way. Thank you, God, for helping us today to understand the future is in your hands. Help us to understand today, O oh God, that we are secure in the love of God, secure in the grace of God, that though the devil rages and though the devil puts his best effort in stopping us and moving us from where we stand, God, we're still here, still here. We've been counted out, but we're still here. Thought we wouldn't make it, but we're still here. Thought we'd never come through, but we're still here. And God, we're still preaching, we're still proclaiming, we're still loving, we're still doing the work of ministry. And God, now is the most important time of this service when we turn to go out these doors and be your representatives, your ad ambassadors in this world. Help us, O oh Lord, so to live among men that they will see our dedication, our consecration to God and give glory to our Heavenly Father. We praise you, we glorify you, we honor you, we exalt you this Lord's day. Go with us to our homes and our families and give us an enjoyable time together. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.